Greeting to each in Jesus' name this morning. Have a few thoughts. Well, I guess that's not accurate. I have some thoughts to share with you this morning that might take your mind in a little different turn. The title of the message this morning is To Love Like Jonah. To Love Like Jonah. To set the basis of our thinking and trying to help us to understand the response of Jonah, I would ask you to think of the fact that sometimes we paint Jonah's life with a broad brush and maybe, just maybe sometimes it's not quite as accurate as maybe it ought to be. Jonah's life was occurring in the history of Israel during a difficult time. You'll find that history will place him after Elijah, excuse me, after Elisha. And just to help you understand a little bit of that, and where I'm going with my thoughts. Um, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 10 says that the scriptures are written for ad, our admonition. Romans 15 tells us they're written for our learning. And so what can we learn and what can we understand about Jonah? 2 Kings, I think, is the only other reference to Jonah that we have describing the situation in which he found himself. And I'll read it in part. For the Lord saw the affliction of Israel, that it was very bitter. There was not any shut up, nor any left, nor any helper in Israel. That's a tough picture. No helper in Israel? Really? Hold that thought for a moment. And can you picture with me God and His majesty and His concern? Maybe it's a little bit like your little son, Johnny. He knew that he shouldn't have tipped over that jelly dish. He just did it to watch it spill, just for the fun of it. You know, it's how cute to watch it go drip, drip, drip. You know, some children just have a, a knack of pulling at you at the wrong time, but you punish the child for their knowing naughtiness, And then how do you feel? You feel sorry maybe for the way your child has responded. But then you have love and compassion. And you take him on your knee. And you console him and you share with him. And soon everything's all right. He still loves you. So picture with me God looking down at Israel. 
See, he sent the enemy into the land to punish Israel for their disobedience. So sad. They should have known better. They were told different. But they didn't listen. And so God is saying, you know, what can I do to help my people understand? Who can I talk to? Who can I send out as a messenger to relate to these people? At the same time, Jonah was growing up under the burden and oppression of the surrounding nations. And so if you've been taught all your life that this certain people is bad, they're just no good, and you have this ingrained into you, and God sees the other people around Israel also in trouble and difficulty, and he sees the actually the very people that he had sent to relate to Israel. And he says, you know, what do they know about me? You know, maybe I should send one of my people over to talk to them about me. I think that's what I will do. And so verse 2 says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, Arise, go to your enemies and tell them about me, Jonah. What would your response be? In today's language, we would say what? Huh? You gotta be kidding me. Go talk to them. Nope, I'm out of here. Very natural response. Very natural response. I don't intend to look at the whole chapter of Jonah, but I just want us to understand the difficulty and the burden that Jonah had to accomplish. Now he was given a responsibility and like I said, we're sometimes critical of how he responded to that. But let me ask you, what would it look like if it was put in black and white some of the difficulties that you have faced in life or me? for pages of history to review when we have not responded to God like we should or could. Back to Jonah. So he heads out. Just like us. We probably all have faced difficulties in life that we tried to dodge tried to find a way out. And I don't believe that Jonah 
spent a week in prayer or all night before he made his decision. I believe he headed out quite promptly. But you have to understand, again, the situation and where he was finding himself. He was over here raised up in the area of Galilee. And he headed for the Gulf, not the Gulf, but the coast, to the port, to the shipping port. And I guess it'd be like us jumping into our car and heading for Dallas, because that's the international shipping out of here, right? And I'm not sure where we would go, but we'd be out of here. With the full intent, it says, to... Flee, in verse 3 of Jonah 1, from the presence of the Lord. And I've pondered upon that. <clears throat> and I'm not here with all the answers. But I don't know if he didn't understand God from the prospect of what we understand. Except for the fact that he knew that God wanted him at a certain place, and he was going to get away. And I find it interesting that his life and his conduct in the following days, and I don't know how long it took him to get over to Joppa. You know, it just wasn't down the road a couple hours. It could have took him two weeks at least to get over there, 150, 200 miles there's a lot of things we don't know and we don't understand, but we do know he was going the opposite direction from where God wanted him to go. And he didn't give a lot of, apparently, anxiety to the thought of what happened next. But when he got a chance to get to his birth, place of abode in the ship, he promptly went to sleep. I'm not going to dwell much on that, but so, except for the fact that he had made up his mind. He wasn't dilly-dallying. He wasn't uncertain about what he was going about. He had went to the ship. He went down, and obviously he was exhausted from his journey, and he went to sleep. Ship set sail, and by all evidence of the description of the storm that came up. It was a type of storm that shook the experts to their very bones. They recognized that this ship was not, this, this storm was not an ordinary storm. Even so much so that they were asking every person on the ship to call to their God. The basis of his conduct is a puzzle to a lot of people. How he could be fast asleep in a storm. I don't have the answer for that. But what they found as they communicated with Jonah, I find fascinating. And that is in verse 9. And that's where the basis is, is my thought of the fact that Jonah wasn't really denying God. 
He wasn't really turning his back on God. He just was skipping out for the moment. Because he says in verse 9, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which has made the sea and the dry land. He didn't say, well, I used to be a Christian and uh, I'm not anymore. I've just hung that up and I'm trying something else. I'm going to go over somewhere else and do an application. No, he didn't do that. He gave a full allegiance to his position and his understanding of God. <clears throat> when we face our difficulties in life, when we sidestep responsibilities or difficulties that come our way, we need to have that commitment that Jonah had. Yeah, life is tough at times. There's things we don't understand. But don't lose sight of God. We'll get on to that more later. To understand the basis again of my interest in Jonah's commitment to God, why did God choose Jonah as his speaker? Going back to the start, he was going to send Jonah, a man that was facing bitter disappointments and trials in his homeland, to a city of heathen, and he was to end up being a preacher that won more souls in less time than anybody on the earth. How does that happen? He converted, as it were, a million people in a less than month. Who can do that? Well, matter of fact, he converted an entire shipload in a few minutes. How'd he do that? I think we don't understand how a good a man Jonah was. All we can see is this big black blotch when he reacted to the facts of life that he had found himself in. Let's look at that a little closer. <clears throat> so he told these men in verse 12, chapter 1 of Jonah, that all you need to do is just take me up and throw me into the sea and your problems will all be over. Mine will just begin, but your problems will all be over. And they say in today's language, again, you've got to be kidding. What? Throw you in the ocean? No, we won't go do that. Nope. But they found out that <laughs> they weren't getting anywhere. And verse 16, well, verse 15, they throw Jonah into the sea, and the sea, the sea ceased from her raging. Can you imagine men of the sea? obviously seeing something happen that they have never seen before in their life. And is it any wonder that in verse 16, that the men feared the Lord exceedingly 
and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. There's no doubt in my mind that he won that entire shipload of men. Give them something to think about. So here he is, solving one problem, but creating another. As we face our trials and difficulties of life, we forget sometimes that our position and the results that we face isn't as important as sometimes we make it. Here's a very practical application of where he saw the good of others better than the good of himself. Whether it was a default situation or not, you could argue. But the result was of that. So now we find Jonah in the depths of the sea. And he is brought face to face with his God. He no longer can run. He had his back, we would say, to the wall, very literally, the wall of the whale. And you know, isn't that true for us as well? Too often, we can run, we like to run, and we can dodge when we can. But sooner or later, we'll end up with our back to the wall. And then is what is our response. <clears throat> The key to his response, I find in verses 6, 7, and 8, and 9, and I'll read it at this time. I went down to the bottoms of the mountain. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou bought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came unto thee in thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that which I have vowed, and salvation is of the Lord. He didn't forget God. He didn't doubt God. And not only that, he had the confidence that he would survive even this circumstance. I will pay that which I have vowed. Tremendous testimony. And then think with me as he faces what he faces. The confidence of surviving even this. We usually sometimes use the phrase, this too shall pass. Well, sometimes when you're into trouble and difficulties that you can't even see it about above, it's kind of hard to believe that, isn't it? 
God was good to Jonah. He put him back out on dry land. And I've often pondered about where he went from here. Did he trudge back home to the town in Galilee? Did God give him how much respite before the call came again? We don't know. But chapter 3, verse 1 says, And the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying. Sometimes God has to talk to us more than once, doesn't he? Sometimes God has to have repetitive punishments, maybe as it were. Regardless how you look at it, life is life. God continues to reach out to us in his mercy, give us again and again opportunities to follow his direction and his leading. But I cannot help believe that God knew that this was the man for the mission that he had in mind, and he wasn't giving up. We know by numerous comments, by various situations here, particularly in 4 verse 2, that Jonah was still struggling. But I'd like to remind you that after we have one or two what we call successes, that we still struggle. We still face doubts. We still face oppositions. And so don't be too hard on Jonah. He asked Jonah, will you now go to Nineveh? And he went. Do you want a message for the people? Do you want a voice to speak to people? Then maybe you can see some values in the trials and difficulties that you face and you can use that as a proper response now I'm not sure what give Jonah someone suggested it was his attitude of her four years that caused the difficulties I would like to say my limited understanding that I believe Jonah had a message for these people unlike any other. He saw God working and directing in his life in such a way that when he walked down the streets of Nineveh, he had a message and a fervor in that message that there was no mistake. No mistake. Maybe someone has said it's a difference between a salesman talking about a product and a salesman knowing the product. 
If you have a product that works, well, I'll just use one that I know about, okay? <laughs> I play around with books a bit and paper. And people will come to and call me up and they'll say, well, what's the best thing to use? Well, tape work and such things. And I tell them, unfortunately, the only thing that works is a glue made from Germany. I will take none other. Why do I say that? From my own experience, there's where I'm talking from. Can you just see Jonah walking out down the streets and telling them, this God that I serve, he does exactly what he said and nothing can stop him. You're going to be destroyed in 40 days. I know. Would you just doubt that? Well, no, you wouldn't. You would say, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, he had fervor. He had impact. He had... Uh, dedication to tell them. Now, I guess you'd have to almost admit that he probably was apparently hoping it would happen. Did that add to it? I don't know. We won't need to go there. But for sure, he had the experience of the last whatever it was, three weeks, three months. You see, this, this was no just a weekend trip. Do you realize for him to go from Galilee, clean over to Nineveh, was a trip of 400 to 500 miles, and it wasn't done by a motor coach. It could have took him two months to get over there. And then for him to go down the streets a day's journey and start preaching was not your average man. But when God is with us, we don't need to be either. If we have had our experience with God and He has worked in our lives to produce the results that can be produced in other people as well, we can have the fervor and we can have the conviction that God is the answer to whoever we talk to, to whoever we talk about when we talk about God. Because God can do the marvelous. God can do what has never been done. Because he is our God. Let's have love like Jonah. Shall we have a song?